Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode number 47. And usually I've been saying a person who wears number 47 on the 49ers. That person was Nate Jerry. He is no longer with the 49ers. He was waived on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. As always, I'm joined by Akash. Akash, what's going on, man? What's up, KP? Yeah, they heard the Shannon Plan podcast was about to record episode 47. And they decided to waive the player that wears that number like 20 minutes before we hit record. So perfect timing. But I remember when he was signed, we were making fun of him because of the Stephen Rees tweet uh, before the 49ers played the Eagles last season where Kyle Shanahan had the microscope and Stephen Rees always looks at who Kyle Shanahan would target defensively before each game that they play. And when they played the Eagles last year, week four, Jerry, I guess, was the target. Uh, And obviously he blew that play against Kyle Juszczyk in the first quarter, which Nick Mullins missed, so on and so forth. You guys know the story. Uh, We laughed about it when he got signed because we're like, how did Kyle Shanahan sign this player? And now a month later, they released him. He was not very good with the Eagles. He started seven games, but he also was benched for his play. And that doesn't happen often. Well, uh, in that situation, anyway. So, the reason that I was wondering, I, you know, I was wondering why San Francisco signed him, and I was wondering if maybe it was just because they wanted a veteran. And, but he's not like an older player. I believe he's like twenty six or twenty seven. He can run a little bit, but outside of that, there's not much that he brings to the table that your guys on the roster wouldn't. So he was reco- he was recovering from an Achilles an Achilles injury from last year. So I wonder how much that had to do with just the lack of rehab, the lack of progress. That was happening for Jerry. But uh, the other guys that they have on the roster are all very good athletes, very good, you know, big hitters. And they have the quote unquote veteran in James Burgess from the Packers. So between Jonas Griffith, Aziz Al-Shahir, Demetrius Fallingen Foles, they're not going to miss Nate Jerry. Nope, they will not. But that does create an interesting hole that we talked about. So now they don't have a full 90 man roster. They have an open roster spot. So Kyle. What are some possibilities that they can do to fill that roster spot? In 2019, I was at a pro day. It was Arizona State's pro day. At that pro day, um, John Lynch, Adam Peters. uh, Well, it's like 20 minutes from my house, so not (laughs) not really. Um, It probably sounds like that, but for context. um, Yeah, so Nikhil Harry was there, and the 49ers were heavily, heavily scouting this guy. Um, I don't think Adam Peters shows up to that if they're not interested in Nikhil Harry. And, I mean, he had a, an okay workout. He was not the best wide receiver there. The best wide receiver there was drafted by the 49ers. A year later. Uh, another yeah. year, yeah. But anyway, there's obvious interest. And on Tuesday, Nikhil Harry of the Patriots, former first-round pick, um, a long list of first-round picks that have failed from Bill Belichick. Oh, by the way, that list does not look good. Uh, but that's a whole other argue or a whole other conversation. Anyway, so Nikhil Harry, big slot receiver. The 49ers are probably looking for that type of player. They're just looking for a body. And Nikhil Harry is not going to cost them a lot. If they were interested before the draft, knowing that you know he wasn't able to produce in the NFL level like many thought he would. But if they're interested before the draft, knowing you can get Nikhil Harry for essentially peanuts now, probably a day three pick, uh, maybe a player swap, whatever it may be, for like a million dollars, a little over a million dollars a season, why wouldn't the 49ers be interested in and who on the wide or who on the roster is preventing them from getting a talent like Harry? Because it always comes back to 
oh, he hasn't this in the NFL. He hasn't done that. Yeah, he has not played well. I don't think anybody would argue that. But we're also talking about, you know, Richie James, River Craycraft, uh, the ghost of Jalen Hurd, uh, Muhammad Sanu. There, there are tons of names, but they're not names that you would be like, well, I don't want to kill Harry because of that. So what do you think about this whole situation? And should the 49ers make a run? Just to add some context to our listeners who don't know, so Nikhil's Harry, Nikhil Harry's agent uh, earlier on Tuesday morning came out and formally requested a trade with the New England Patriots. So that's the reason that we brought up Nikhil Harry's name. Um, he's been a name that's co- been connected with the 49ers in the past when there's been rumors of a Stephon Gilmore trade or maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo trade. He's been always talked about as this like uh, additional piece that could be added but just because of the fact that the 49ers were so interested in him pre-draft in 2019. And if I remember correctly, I think he was their number one receiver on their board, I believe, um, you know, in that early second round, late first round spot uh, where they ended up taking Debo Samuel instead. But I heard that they had Nikhil Harry ranked higher than Debo Samuel on their board, which looking back, I think they might've been saved by Bill Belichick and the Patriots uh, taking Nikhil Harry. Cause I think many would agree that Debo Samuel at this moment is the better player, uh, but a different story for a different day. Nonetheless, I think this would be the perfect type of addition to the wide receiver room. I think it came up when we talked about adding like a Julio Jones type player. That was like a splash move. You know what you're getting, but he's also expensive. He's going to cost a lot. This is the opposite, right? You've got two guys in Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel that you can rely on. And now you're just trying to add another body that mix and adding Nikhil Harry for potentially, you know, a day three pick, a conditional pick, something like that, and then picking up his salary, which I think is only $1.4 million next year and then $1.8 in 2022. So not expensive at all for two years. And you got a 23-year-old who played about 60% of his snaps last season. I think he only caught like 33 passes, however, but just maybe a change of scenery, uh, getting out of New England, getting out of that system, just coming back to the West Coast reuniting with a former teammate of his and Brandon Ayuk, uh, getting him with Wes Welker. You just never know. Just a change of scenery. This is the perfect type addition, I think, to the team. If it doesn't work out, whatever, uh, you lose a day three pick. But these are the type of swings that contenders usually take and good teams usually hit on. They're able to develop guys, sort of pay, you know, buy low, sell high type thing. So I, I think the 49ers will make a call at the very least but I think it's going to come down to the asking price and if New England's actually interested in moving Harry. Yeah, that that's going to be the key to see what they're willing to part ways, if they're willing to part ways with him, which I imagine they are because all the Patriots beat writers are saying that Harry's is buried on the depth chart. So it was unlikely that he was going to crack that too deep uh, rotation this season anyway. But yeah, I think that Harry is getting a bad rap because of, you know, you see his stats and Obviously, he hasn't. He's not a great separator, but that wasn't the case at Arizona State. And with Kyle Shanahan, you have a guy who is known for getting guys open, and he does the hard part for you. So I imagine True. in the slot, he could be the guy that you know runs all the crossing routes. Or even at Arizona State, they gave him the ball like as a ball carrier quite a bit. And I think that's what would attract Kyle Shanahan to have a guy where you know he just likes to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly and into you know the arms of the guys who can make plays. So. Uh, he did have that playmaker label coming out of college. Sure, it's not; it hasn't translated to the NFL, but it's only been a couple of years. So um, just for the price and knowing that it probably wouldn't be anything more than a day three pick, like why not? Just why not? And if he can give you anything, 
then you will take it. And if he does end up being a wide receiver three, your wide receiver three, then, you know, that's a, a swing and a, a double off the wall. Agreed. And, you know, just given Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan's relationship, I'm sure Kyle can call up Bill and be like, hey, what's the real with this guy, right? Like, how is he in the building? What's his character like? What's his work ethic like? Um, you know, I understand he hasn't necessarily worked out on the field uh, for what the Patriots, you know, uh, for where they drafted him. But what type of player, what type of person is he? If we were to bring him in, you know, all that type of stuff. It uh, just feels like it hasn't worked out in New England between the two sides. And a fresh start would work for, you know, both parties. And hopefully Nikhil Harry can find that elsewhere. Um, but I do think the 49ers would be a realistic option, just considering the need that they have at the spot, considering what it would cost. And what, you know, he would count against the salary cap for, all those things. And obviously, Nikhil Harry, when he went to the Patriots, had high expectations, right? When you take a receiver in the first round and you immediately slot him to be sort of your star receiver. But if Harry were to come to the 49ers, he wouldn't have those expectations, right? He would be further down the depth chart between, behind, excuse me, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. So his role and his expectations among the fans and coaches, etc., would just be lower and maybe he under less pressure cir- pressured circumstances he would just perform better so never know change of scenery always helps and uh, I expect something to happen before training camp with Nikhil Harry I doubt he goes into training camp and then gets traded after the fact if Kyle Shannon were to run like a timing based offense with timing routes and even if they wanted to throw like back shoulder phase because that would be an evolution Contested. with Trey Sermon uh, yeah. Trey Sermon uh, Trey, Trey Lance, Lance. Uh, that's going to be the guy who is throwing the ball, I promise. And if that's the case, then, yeah, why not take a swing on a bigger-bodied receiver like that? Speaking of throws, Kyle Shanahan had himself a throw over the weekend. Uh, If you have not seen it, it it's pretty pretty hilarious. Just It was fun to see a coach open up and just be a normal person. So Kyle Shanahan was on a rooftop over the weekend. He was with Joe Staley and a couple other guys. And uh, he was, th- what was he throwing at? What was the target? Do you remember? I don't remember. It was a right. pizza oven. So he's, right. so if you haven't there seen the go. video, Kyle Shanahan, Joe Staley, a bunch of his buddies were on one rooftop. He's throwing to a pizza oven across the street on another rooftop. And it looked like it was probably like what? 40 yard, 50 yard throw, something like that. Right. And, uh, you know, Kyle's rocking his Oakley's. He's got his melon hat on which looked like it was a custom hat because I haven't seen that colorway on his website, which, of course, Kyle Shanahan has that. He's rocking board shorts. You know, he's on the beach. It looks like he's on, like, you know, San Diego or, you know, on the coast in the near the Pacific Ocean. And he launches, and I guess he landed in the pizza oven. You really can't see in the video where the ball lands, but just judging based off of the guy's reaction, it was just this insane throw. And like you hit on, it's cool to see coaches especially just be regular guys and enjoying themselves and having like a, a cool casual moment. Cause we typically you think of coaches, you just think of like hard asses. Uh, you think of guys that are just always football, football, football. And it was cool to see him kind of in a relaxed moment, enjoying himself. So, you know, and I agree with that. I, I love seeing just him being a normal person, as we said. So um, if you have never seen Kyle Shanahan throw a football, you would be very surprised that he was able to fit that ball in a pizza oven because as someone who takes pride in throwing footballs, Kyle Shanahan does not have a good arm. He is, uh, he was a college receiver. He is not very accurate. Uh, yes, he, so during practice, um, Kyle is a guy who throws to the linebackers in the secondary and they just do different drills. And he kind of, 
Um, I don't know exactly what the drill is called, but he throws to the defense every day. And every day he throws multiple interceptions. Like they pick on him and they just jab at him and have a good time with it. So to see him launch that ball and for it to land in an oven, that was impressive. So um, definitely the best throw he's ever made. Joe Staley made a joke that he was, he kept talking about it all throughout the day. And I could totally understand why, because I've seen him throw a pass before. So that was great. Go ahead. I mean, wasn't the story that Kyle Shanahan reviews film of himself while like throwing the ball like <laughs> after practice? So if he were to make that type of throw, I imagine he'd be talking about it well into the season. Like, can't wait for the next uh, media session. I'm sure someone's going to ask him about it. And he's going to go on uh, about his amazing throw. But his, his reaction and he, you know, he goes like, what the f-? And he has this just natural reaction after the fact, which makes like, it I'm even better. Exactly, exactly. And Joe Staley's hugging him. And I think the other cool part is Staley, a former player, hanging out with a coach. Like, how often do you see a former NFL player hang out with their coach? Like, 4th of July weekend, slamming beers probably, just having a good time. It's it's not often, right? And it's cool to see that type of relationship. You could see why players, you know, tend to gravitate towards Kyle and always have good things to say about him off the field, um, not just as like a tactician on the field. He's such a bro, and you could tell by that 100%. video. Like he, he was always a bro because he rocks Hurley, and he still yeah. does, even though he's a multi-million dollar man. But the fact that he's still wearing these boarding shorts and just super casual, I love that. I appreciate that. So Joe Staley, uh, he also brought up the holding call from the Super Bowl. He's talking about Nick Bosa and how the 49ers would have won if Nick Bosa would have gotten those same calls as um, – you know, if the refs just would have thrown the flag on Nick Bosa. But, you know, this isn't the first time we've talked about it. This probably won't be the last. It's probably the 27th time. But, you guys, the Chiefs, they also did not get a certain amount of calls. They're, you can do this in every game. You can call holding on every play, essentially. Uh, you can review plays. And sh- we can show you plays where Jimmy missed a wide-open receiver. We can show you plays where the receiver ran a wrong route. We can show you plays where an offensive lineman missed a block. We can show you an offensive lineman was fortunate that he missed a block and the running back actually made up for him. You could go down the list on this. So to blame, like maybe that one play that everybody thinks where Nick Bosa was held, which he wasn't, and we've gone through that as well. And even another, I'm sure there there were tons of plays where Bosa was held. Uh, That happens in every game. So it was a Super Bowl. It was on the biggest stage. And yes, I'm sure that you feel like the refs were against your team, but it's time to let it go, man. Lost the game. I don't think it was because of that holding call. I think it was because of a lot of things that happened even before leading up to the fourth quarter. But again, um, he's not going to let it go. And every time that comes up, you know, it just opens a new wound for the fans and they start to go down memory lane and and then just kind of talk about it and rehash that. Maybe it's because I like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but like the pain from that Super Bowl loss didn't last nearly as long as some of the others, you know, the other Super Bowl loss back in 2012, 2013. Um, so this one, it, it didn't bother me as much uh, given the fact that, you know, they had a 2010 lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, the the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes just went superhuman and they just won the game. It was that. Uh, I hate ref blaming, especially two years after the game was over. Just because calls go both ways. That stuff is just out of your control. Um, you know, the stuff that you do look back on and you're like, man, I wish it was different were the plays that you're hitting on, right? Ah, I wished Jimmy hit this player on this route or I wished Kendrick Bourne ran the right route on this play, or I wish Emmanuel Mosley, um, you know, didn't screw up on this play or whatever, right? Those are the things that you're like, damn, that was in the 49ers control. 
They had chances to make plays. They just didn't. They ended up losing the game. It is what it is. It's all right. But I hate the fact that two years down the line, fans are still like, ah, if the refs had called holding here, if they'd called pass interference here, if they didn't call, you know, offensive pass interference on George Kittle, they could have gotten three points here. It's like those, you know, uh, like situational type things. I just hate going through that stuff because ref makes calls in your favor all the time. They'll make calls against you all the time. It just, that's part of the game. It is what it is. It's just sports. Um, so I hate that stuff. Chiefs won fair and square. They won the Super Bowl. They were the champions that year. It is what it is. I mean, it's it's totally fine. I just don't get why you have to talk on. about it two years later. Yeah, move on. Exactly. Yep, move on. It's all good. Uh, the 49ers will have an opportunity to get back. You know, they just have to stay healthy. Uh, they had their opportunity, and they did not take advantage. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to rank the top 10 49ers who are under 25. All right, so on NinersNation.com, I wrote an article just ranking the top 10 players on the 49ers who are under 25. Uh, initially, somebody asked, where's Debo Samuel? Well, sir, he is not under 25, so he was not eligible for this list. Uh, I was worried that I would forget somebody, and I figured it would be like a big name like Trey Lance. So let's go through this. You have – the 49ers do have a solid core of under 25 players – or sorry, under 25, age under 25. So – you have guys who are right on the cusp. You have a group of rookies. Honestly, if he were to be healthy, I would have put Tarverius Moore on this list because he's still he's only been in the league for a couple of years. Still, still sucks that he uh, tore his Achilles. Um, does hope he gets a speedy recovery. But I, I, I almost still put him on the list. Uh, but there, there are a lot of unknowns on this list, and there are some guys who are already the best players at their position. So we'll go down the list and we'll talk about it. Uh, first two guys are rookies. And I think the 49ers just hope they end up, you know, being a more than competent. So Aaron Banks, who I imagine is going to start at right guard. He's going to have an opportunity to start somewhere along. This is the from line. 10, by the way, not one. Just, just saying. Right. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Aaron Banks is the most yeah. important player yeah. of the 49ers. Yeah, just, just to clarify uh, yeah, Before no, so, you get ratioed so they, on social media. <laughs> yeah. They traded down for Aaron Banks a couple spots, and they were able to pick up another pick. But Banks, who is 23 years old, he has experience at Notre Dame, and that school just pumps out linemen into the NFL. And they, they're not just pumping out, you know, guys who are fringe roster players. They're, they're putting out serviceable starters. So you hope Banks follows that trend. Um I don't know what to expect from him. I mean, I've seen him. I've watched him play, but he's in a Kyle Shannon offense. He's in the 49ers offense. He's an offensive line who's going to be able to run the ball. So as long as he um, as long as he is, he just knows where to go in pass protection. I feel like he'd be a significant upgrade, uh, but he's number 10. And I don't think we need to spend too much time in there. Do you have any thoughts on Aaron Banks? Uh, no, but I do think he will be a plug and play starter this season. Um, if he's not, I think that'd be a bit of an issue given what yes. they paid to go get him. So if he slots in as a starter, he plays 17 games and he's just solid. That's a really good pick. And I have no problem with him being at number 10. Number nine is the team's third round pick. And Amory Thomas out of Michigan did not play in 2020 was playing his best ball. According to our friends at maize and blue, uh, the Michigan SB nation blog in 2019 leading up to 2020. So Amory Thomas is only 21 years old. He is the only member of the 49ers secondary on this list, which is a little bit of a problem because secondary is important in today's NFL. Uh, and 
I don't know if the 49ers are hoping that Thomas beats out Mosley or he's not going to be on Kwan Williams, but I think that they just want to see enough from him in year one that they're comfortable with putting him on the field, whether that's for Brett Mosley or Kwan Williams next year, because all of those three are on one year deals. And I mean, the odds of each one of those three coming back are slim. Mosley is still young, but I guess if you want to build for the future, hopefully I think the best case scenario would be Mosley turns out to be, what we thought he would be in 2019. And then Ambry Thomas shows enough flashes where he's a starter next year. But um, again, another unknown, he's a rookie. So it's just all conjecture, pure projection here. I hope that he balls out. I mean, he'll have an opportunity. He's going to be able to go, you know, get some quality guys in during training camp. So we'll we'll see what Ambry Thomas looks like um, come training camp. So let's get into some players that we have actually seen. Number eight, Kevin Givens. Number seven, Trey Greenlaw. Number six, Trey Sermon, would you swap that order? Would you put somebody else on instead of them? Because the top five, you know, they're going to be pretty obvious. You have to shuffle them. But those are the three. Yeah, no, I think I, th- I think you have the right guys there. Uh, Kevin Givens was the one dealing with the legal issues in, in Maryland, correct? I know the charges got dropped, I believe, so he's, he's free right. to come back. Um, so I don't think he'll get any formal punishment or anything like that from the NFL. I think he should be good to go, correct, when training camp hits the ground. So having him back is massive because he, Kevin Givens was an underrated player that we identified going into last season, played his tail off last year, and to have him along with the rest of the guys in that interior defensive line is going to be good. Um, I might have flip-flopped him and Dre Greenlaw. I feel like you and I are a little lower on Greenlaw than the rest of the fan bases, so that I might have done. Um but we also might be higher on Givens and some other people. But that that's the only thing I'd do, at least in the bottom half of the tent. Yeah, the Givens, I was following the Givens train early in September, not early in September, early in October, when he was just playing minimal, and then they started to play him more and more. And so he had 19 tackles last year, and five of them were behind the line of scrimmage, usually a good sign. Uh, Javon Kinlaw always speaks highly of him. Uh, D'Amico Ryans called Givens out the first name that he would be a potential breakout player for the 49ers defense. This upcoming season, I just think they need an interior pass rush. And I think D'Amico Ryans understands that. So we are going to see a lot of givens. And he, I mean, he's a talented player with a lot of athleticism and a lot of juice. And that's what usually wins in the NFL. Trey Sermon, if he stays healthy, he's going to be very, very good for this team. He just has to stay on the field. I think he's going to bring a dynamic that the 49ers don't have out of the backfield. And that's why I'm pretty high on him all right number five Javon Kinlaw 23 year old when the reason I have him at number five well I mean he's not going to be above the other guys maybe you can swap him and Brandon Ayuk who I have at number four but one of the reasons you know when you trade away multiple first round picks as the team did for Trey Lance you're banking on Javon Kinlaw or your previous early round investments to pan out so they do have to get a little more from Kinlaw this year what do you think his sack total will be in 2021? Uh, what did he have last season? Sub, He was under five last season, right? I don't think he had more than two. I know he had one late in the season, but after that... I uh, it, He had one and a half. <laughs> okay, yeah, so not, yeah. not even close to five. If he can get to five combined in his first two seasons, I think that would be pretty good. <laughs> what a low bar for your first round pick. Uh, that, that's pretty ugly. Um, ah, given the fact that he got one and a half, I imagine he just plays more snaps this year, even though the interior defensive line room is pretty crowded. I would say if he doesn't get like 
four sacks this season, that's pretty disappointing. Okay, that's fair. So let's put the over-under on four. Let's say because Bosa will be on the field, Javon Kinlaw will be gifted one sack. And he already had one and a half. So you would think going from year one to year two, he's able to add a couple sacks under his belt. So, I mean, he's just a really good player as far as the run, against the run doing yeah. what he's supposed to do. But he has to finish, and he has to win more as a pass rusher. So hopefully we see that. Again, uh, playing defensive tackle, just playing defensive line as a rookie in the NFL is not easy. And what Bosa did is not what most normal humans do. So we got to stop preparing more than one and a half, though. <laughs> he, you know, he went dry for a, quite a while. I think Washington, I want to say Washington was the first one, and that was what, like week 13 or something? That was pretty late in the season. They were in Arizona at that time. So. Sure, that's not good. That it, it, he, hasn't had, he hasn't had a sack in California, basically, is what you're Ooh, saying. Yikes. <laughs> All right. We have number four, and that was Brandon Ayuk, and we're, we're both pretty high on him. Um, I just think that he has a chance to be a lot better than most people think. I know he's going to probably get compared to the rookie class that he was a part of. And, you know, because he didn't put up the numbers like Jordan Jefferson, people might not think he's as, you know, talented or could be as good. But I thought Aik was efficient. He was dependable. And those two things are not easy. And he's also explosive. It felt like whenever he had the ball in his hands, he had opportunity to go for a big play. And that's what makes a special player. So uh, second year, he was able to produce with C.J. Beathard, Nick Bowens. Uh, Why would he not improve with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo? Agreed. And I think this is where, well, I don't want to give away what your top three is. So maybe we'll come back to this when you list out your top three. Uh, First of all, think, if you don't know who the top three is by now, you have an issue. Go ahead. <laughs> you know the three players I'm talking about, the order. The, you know, building up the suspense. Uh, I think you probably could be like one spot higher on this list, and I'd slide one of those guys down. We can talk about which guy I'd slide down later. All right. So number three, who would I imagine be number one on – what, 28 other teams? Uh, Fred Warner, 24. He is the best linebacker in the NFL. I've been saying that since April of 2019. That has not changed. I think he just does so much for this team. He's going to get paid sooner than later. You know, there are some reports coming out over the weekend that the 49ers have started out contract negotiations with Warner. I imagine it's going to happen before training camp. Um, will he be the highest paid linebacker in NFL history? I think it's it's 100% headed that way. And I would imagine Fred Warner's camp, he's repped by David Mulligetta. They would they have their eyes set on making uh, Fred Warner the highest paid linebacker in the league, I would imagine, uh, given that he's the best player at the position at the time, 24 years old, been dependable, healthy, on the field, leader, great off the field, like is exactly what you want in you know a team captain, yeah, face of the franchise, all that stuff. So... Uh, it's going to be hard-pressed for the 49ers not to pay up for a player like Warner, uh, especially considering the fact that he was a third-round pick, so he hasn't been making the money over the last four years that he probably deserves, too. So um, I would imagine he'd be the highest-paid linebacker in the league, which is nuts considering the 49ers just made George Kittle the highest-paid tight end in league history last year. So, you know, when you draft well in later rounds, it's great, but when you pay these guys, you uh, pay through the nose, so... It's coming. Um, yeah, I did see those reports that you're referring to. I imagine those conversations have been going on for a long time. I know Mulgetta, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, Prague, they're all pretty close. So I'm sure they've had on and off conversations. Both sides know what needs to happen. I don't think this is some complex thing. Uh, I imagine it's more of a formality, and it probably gets done within the next month or so. And, and Fred Warner is going to be here. I mean, just given the fact how involved he was in the 
jersey reveal, state of the franchise. And he's been kind of the face publicly with a lot of different announcements through social, whatever. I imagine he's here to stay. All that matters. Absolutely. I think that is a great point. So um, Fred Warner, above average run defender, elite pass defender, and elite pass rusher. He's he is on a defense that has a lot of good pass rushers, and I'd say he's probably one of the top three pass rushers on the team. So that is why he is so high on the list, and that is why he's going to be one of the highest linebackers, if not the highest paid in history. All right, number two, Nick Bosa, 23-year-old Nick Bosa, who, I mean, we got to start talking about his contract extension. Let's say, let's assume that he balls out this year, which everybody expects. Uh, real quick, Warner has not missed a start in three years. Nick Bosa obviously missed nearly an entire season last year. The only thing that would prevent Nick Bosa from maybe becoming the highest paid edge rusher of all time would be just him missing time. So I think that'll be interesting to see what happens and how that contract, how his contract negotiations uh, go moving forward. Because, I mean, if if we're not talking about positional value, Nick Bosa would be number one on just about any other team as well. Uh, Just his rookie year was Ridiculous. There's nothing that we can't say about him that hasn't already been said. He's going to cost a pretty penny, and he'll be worth every cent. So let's get to number one, Trey Lance, 21-year-old. The future of the 49ers is in the hands or the arm of Trey Lance. And that is – it's different just because, like, there's a mystique around him. We don't know what to expect. We all know that he is a good player, did not play in 2020, we don't know what it's going to be like when he steps on the field. Yes, people are saying the right things. All of his teammates uh, seem to be maybe surprised that he was so good early on. But will that change come training camp? Will that change come preseason? Will he keep, you know, riding this momentum into the season and maybe take over as a starter? There are so many different ways that this can go for Trey Lance. And I think that's – when is the last time you've had an opportunity? When is the last time 49ers fans have had a chance to be this excited about a player? Considering they've drafted pretty high over the past few years, I feel like it come it happens more often, right? Considering it came with Nick Bosa. Um, this is different because it's a quarterback and they traded so much. I feel like the excitement was high, like really, really high when they made the trade. Like that, I still remember that Friday morning when they made the trade. It got announced and everyone was just going nuts. I feel like that's maybe it's just because it's the offseason. Not much is going on. The excitement had kind of tapered off. You also don't know when he's going to play. I feel like that excitement would come back if it was like, oh, Trey Lance is going to start week seven or something like that, right? And then you that week would be insane. All the hype, all the talk shows, all that stuff would be talking about Trey Lance. But right now it seems kind of tapered, which is understandable given where just we're at the peak of the offseason. He's not the starting quarterback for the team like a Trevor Lawrence or a Zach Wilson. So you just don't know when he's going to step on the field. Um, but the intrigue is there. The one thing I did have with your top three is it's hard-pressed for me to put Trey Lance above Fred Warner and Nick Bosa, even given the positional value, just given the fact that we haven't seen Lance on the field. So I would slide Trey Lance to four and then just slide those three guys up. So I would have Nick Bosa at one. I think he's the best player on the team, just regardless of age. It's either him, George Kittle, or Fred Warner, but I think Nick Bosa is is better than those two guys. Um, So I'd have Nick Bosa one, Fred Warner two, Brandon IU three, and then Trey Lance four. Uh, just given the fact That's that fair. we haven't seen seen Trey Lance play, but we expect him to be good, but you just you just don't know. And those guys have proven it. Fred Warner now multiple years, best player at his position in the league. Nick Bosa, top five player, you know, uh, at his position, best player on the 49ers. I just I just can't put Trey Lance above those guys yet. So 
how much would this list change if we were to include everybody um, real quick before we get out of here? So I think Trey, Trent Williams is the best player on the team. Um, okay. I, I would say Trent Williams is in the top three. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. I, well, you I can, think we you can about put this. certain names in a hat and draw them out, and you, yep. you're not going to be wrong. Yep. There, there's I, there, four I names. There wrong here. There's four names. Trent Williams, George Kittle, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. You'd put in a hat. You'd take any one of those guys. Any day of the week, twice on Sunday, you'd be good with it. Then there's a drop-off, and then five through whatever, it's, it's hard to pick. But those four guys are, are clear. You know, you're all pros, Pro Bowl, face of the franchise, all that stuff. It's those four guys, and then the rest. Training camp is coming up. July 31 is when they will hit the practice fields. Hopefully, come next week, we'll have the training dates out for you, the training camp dates out for you. So, as always, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen. Please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is that you get your podcast. My name is Kyle Posey. You can follow me at KP underscore show to receive all the takes like Loki is a good show. Watch that. Akash, what about you? You can find me at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V on the Twitters. And yes, appreciate you for listening. Rate, subscribe, review to the Niners Nation Podcast Network wherever you get your podcast. We'll keep rolling even though it's the offseason. Can't wait for training camp. Another 25 days until Trey Lance and the rest of the guys hit the field. And go Niners. Go Niners.